what's up everybody great to have you here with us we're back at it with a new episode we'll be talking about the weekend matches and the hiring and firing of some managers and some clubs showing more ambition than some other bigger clubs so we'll be dissecting it without further ado welcome to the latest episode of Falconer Podcast Josh, I know it's been a while, but hope you're well. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, apologies to the listeners who were expecting, of course, they were right to expect an episode on Friday, but we couldn't, for various reasons, record and deliver the episode. So we apologize for that. But I mean, the the action at the weekend was just amazing. We saw a lot of big teams dropping points, some dropping it in comical fashion actually the likes of united chelsea barcelona just abysmal i know of course i know barcelona lives in your head 247 so i know you call no, us no, out. I, I mean i mean <laughs> they are not the only team i mentioned i i will actually add liverpool to that list atletico madrid a lot of big teams were abysmal this weekend even ajax couldn't beat go ahead eagles go ahead eagles for god's sake so I mean, Nigerians, we know Super Eagles are the, the, the nickname for the national team, but there's a club named Go Ahead Eagles, and Ajax drew with them. Oh, all right. That's cool. That's great. I think we'll talk more about it in detail. So, where do we start from? I think we start from the EPL. Is, is that not? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's only one place to start from. Manchester Derby. Um, so, we saw that we had Three derbies this weekend. On paper, we had the uh, Grand Derby, that's the Betis versus Sevilla. We had the Milan Derby, the two Milan clubs, and we had the Manchester Derby. But in reality, the only derby that was there was the Milan Derby because the Manchester Derby was not the derby in any way. Yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent. It was it was as if um it was a training man training session for Manchester City, like exactly. Um, Looking at the game, it was as if um, City, um, City, they were, City, they were like in third gear. They were not trying too hard, and they, they like. What is even surprising is, as much as I want to say City didn't try too hard, City could have easily scored like five goals in the first half. That's how good they were. Um, you know the you know the thing about this game, yeah. yeah. I think, I think United players were suffering from PTSD after the Liverpool game. Because you had them scared. Like, United were terrified to go forward because if they do that, they would have left space at the back and then City could have counter-attacked and scored more goals. So United were actually suffering from PTSD. They didn't want to go forward because they were like, oh, let's not lose another 5-0. And they were satisfied. Like, this is shocking to see. But we all saw it. United, Manchester United Football Club were satisfied with a 2-0 defeat to Manchester City. I think that's the worst. I think that's even worse in in a sense than the Liverpool defeat. Because at least they kept attacking. You, you saw they were attacking and continued. They were opened up continuously until the fifth goal. But at least they were attacking. This one, they were satisfied with a 2-0 defeat. And you, you had the, the Man City fans singing... 
Ole at the wheel. That just shows you what the rest of the Premier League thinks of Ole as a coach. Every other fan, every other Premier League fan, apart from Manu, they want Ole to stay at United because they know he's a, he's a clueless manager. Honestly, honestly, um, the thing is, we, we keep repeating the same thing on the podcast. Honestly, I'm even tired of it. Manchester United, they, are, they, they show that they are not ambitious enough. Um, obviously, um, I don't know what the plan is with the Glazier. Like, even on Monday, we saw that they brought out a statement. There was a statement from Sky Sports saying that they won't be sacking Oli. And there were some no. reports. On it. So, there were some reports as well coming out from the Manchester United camp where we're hearing that they are trying to extend some of the backroom staffs, their contract, like Darren Fletcher. So Extend. Yeah, ex- ex- exactly. So it's actually crazy that with the f- outcry of the fans, like, let me just put it this way. I think Manchester United, they will still make top four because their squad, they have the one of the best squad in the EPL as well. So they will still make top four. Like, I mean, I'm not, looking at... Not, they keep going like this though. No, no, no. Like, they, there's no way they can get as bad as this. So, like, they will, obviously they'll face Chelsea and Arsenal. After that run of games, it's plain sight for them for the next up to 12 game weeks. They can easily amass so much points there. Obviously, they will drop some few, few points here, here and there, but they can still get points that will actually make them sit at the top four. So, I, I actually think what the plan is, is I think Oli will stay from now to the end of the season. So, there's no need, like, always, always um, just Oli out or Oli in thing. Like, I'm even tired of it. So, I, uh, I just for the Manchester United fans, I just think Oli is here to stay from now to the end of the season. I, I don't see him I, going, if I'm being honest. Okay. I think I agree with you, but if they if they do not win Watford in their very next match, Ole is going to be sacked. Come but on, if they come on. That's, that's, that's easy three points. Everyone knows this. Come on. No, no, I'm saying if they don't do it. Nah, they will win. They will win, definitely. No, no. I, I know I have a feeling they will win, but if they don't win, Ole is going to be sacked. But if they do win like we expect them to win, then Ole is going to stay. If they lose to Chelsea or draw with Chelsea, that's acceptable for United. Then they do whatever they do against us now. As long as they're not embarrassed, that's also acceptable for them. And then let, they let have... Me just, let, me, let, me, let me just put it this way, instead of even waffling too much, yeah? If Ole doesn't get sacked in the next 10 days, which is like this international break that we're in right now, if he don't get sacked, if he doesn't get sacked, I mean... There is no way he gets sacked in any in any um, occasion during this season anymore. That's the way I see it. You know, you know, you know one thing that actually I I just I I couldn't help but laugh after the match post match interviews. Um, Ole was speaking to a particular um sports network, football network, and he said the 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 person asked him. So why did you change your formation after after the first half? You know what Oli said? Oli said that they wanted to go back to what they are. Please, what am I you on that Oli? What are they? He said, we want to go back to, to what we are, and what we know, and what we do well. Please, what do they do well? They don't do anything well. What's the pattern of play? So when, when he's telling us, we want to go back to what we are. Okay, please, what were they in the second half after he changed it? What were they? They were abysmal. That's what they were. <laughs> Honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't know what he's trying to do. But at the end of the day, I just and, know that 
I, I just know that I just know that if not for David De Gea, a lot of people will still blame David De Gea for the um, Bernardo Silva goal. But if not for yeah, him, would you blame? Would you blame for that? Him or Luke Shaw? Now I blame the entire defense. First off, no one was closing down um, Cancelo. Cancelo had so much time to pick whoever he wanted. As, as, well, secondly, as, well, as well, that Bruno was just looking at him and saying, cross, my guy, cross. Yeah, exactly. Then then there, there was now Maguire looking at the ball over the top. Luke Shaw was looking at it as well. It was like Z-Word. All these Indian speaking of, that people... Speaking people, of Maguire, yeah. Speaking of, speaking of Maguire, guess what? <laughs> what happened again? <laughs> The captain of the apologizers has released a statement on Twitter. He released it on Monday, that was yesterday. He released it apologizing to the fans. I mean, we might as well just nickname them Apology FC because it's one apo- like I think I think you know what in the Manchester United dressing room, I think they do they take turns. Like Bruno will say, um, I was the one that apologized last week. So Maguire, you apologize today because it does. It should not be only me apologizing to the fans. Then when Maguire apologizes, they will tell Ronaldo next week is your turn to apologize. Then after Ronaldo, they will tell Pogba to apologize. Like they just keep passing it on so that it's not going to the fans will not get bored. Because if it's the same person apologizing every week, people will be like, yo, shut the hell up and do something on the pitch. But because it's, they are spreading the apologies around, nobody is saying anything, nobody's telling them to shut up. So I think they actually plan who is going to apologize. <laughs> Hey, maybe they will have a training exercise where they where they actually learn how to write letters and <laughs> apologies and, and different apologies. It's actually crazy. Well, I think we've talked about money enough. Like, let, let's. No, let me, I'm, let I'm, me, I'm not done. I'm not done. No, I'm not done. No, this was. No, I just I just want to highlight something. Um, in the game. So, um, looking at City, eh, I think it shows why I I still put City as one of the title contenders. Obviously, like City do not have a striker, and in some games, especially when they play low block teams, you can see that they struggle because they need a target man. But looking at the way City played against Manchester United, I can confidently say like they'll they'll have they'll they'll be less worried about having a striker in most of their games this weekend because if they put on that kind of form, they will beat so many many teams in the Champions League and in the league. And to me, man, Pep, Pep Guardiola. He still and he still remains one of the best managers in the world. One of the best. I mean, for me, he's the very best. But I'm I'm going to say just two things about United. One, Manchester United. Now, I want people to actually listen to me carefully. I'm not even joking. You had the own goal. You had the own goal from Eric Bailly, and you had another one that would have been an own goal from Lindelof that the keeper saved. That's two. And then you had just one shot from Ronaldo against Ederson. So you have more shot, shots on target against your own keeper. That's one. The second one is that since Opta started keeping stats in the early 2000s, Man United, this is the lowest number of touches they had in the box against a new opposition. Can you guess how many they had? In the entire match, like how many times United, a United player touched the ball in Man City's box? Guess. Um, maybe maybe. 30-40. What? 30-40? How about 4? What? 4? In a 90-minute game? In the entire match. I kid you not, bro. I kid you not. <laughs> 4 times. So, um, but at the end of the day, you know, you know, another thing, I, that I, saw, I saw a meme on Instagram and I'm not going to be surprised because I, I already mentioned that City fans were singing Oli at the wheel. 
So obviously they want only to stay at United forever so that United will remain in the state they are in. But I think do you remember 2014 World Cup where I apologize for any Brazilian that might be listening to this, but where Germany destroyed Brazil 7 1. Do you rem- you remember? Obviously, everyone remembers it. Yeah, everyone Every remembers it. Where Matsumeos came after the match and he said that in the in the dressing room at halftime, they decided to stop scoring, to stop embarrassing Brazil. You remember he said that? I, I think I cannot I cannot really remember, but but go on. Okay, yeah, yeah. He actually said it that they, they pitied Vazin in the second half, basically. That's what he said. That if they wanted to score up to 12, they could have done it. So I think that's what City did against United. And I think the reason they did it is so that they will not sack Ole. Because I'm sure that if it was another five or six, they would have sacked Ole. But Man City players knew that and did not want Ole to be sacked. So they just kept it at two. So that the people that don't understand football will say, oh, but United lost only 2 0. But they don't know that this 2 0 was almost, if not as bad as the 5 0 in terms of the way the game was played. So, City players purposely kept Uli's job. And I think so, that's, that's so a genius from them. So, basically, what you're saying, Man- uh, Manchester City won in the short term and they won in the long term as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And mm, I'd love to see it. Um, so, let's move on now. I'm done bashing United. Now I want to bash Chelsea. Chelsea Football Club, the so-called or should I say so-called title contenders, champions of Europe, blah blah blah, could not beat Burnley. I repeat, Burnley, not not Tottenham, not Arsenal, not United, not Liverpool. They could not beat Burnley in their own stadium, and I'm seeing a lot of rubbish online and. People saying that Chelsea dominated the match. What match did they dominate? Football is not is not by keeping possession. How many chances did Chelsea actually create? And I'm, I think I'm the only one that in the world that is going to say that. To me, Chelsea didn't actually deserve to win that match. Thomas Tuchel said that if they play the game hundred times, Chelsea win ninety nine. I'm not sure about that. Well, I have to agree. Chelsea win ninety nine because they have the quality. But the thing is, I didn't see this game see this complete entire nine. Well, yes, sorry, yes. What, what quality? Barkley or Doy? Whether Barkley or Doy is still they are still by um they are still better players compared to the Burnley side. Obviously, they might not be Chelsea quality, but they are still better than the quality from the Burnley side. So it's it's a game that yes, Chelsea should be winning. But I just think like looking at the most so based, based on based on how the game panned out, did Chelsea yeah, deserve to win? Based on the way the game panned out, because I saw um, a bit of the first half. So based on the chances that I saw and the way um, Chelsea penned um, Burnley back into their own half, and and every time um, Chelsea attacked, Burnley looks like they were going to concede. Based on that, like Chelsea, I, they deserve to win in my eyes because they could have easily scored like three goals in the first half, but it wasn't. It, it wasn't. It wasn't to be. Personally, I just think um, Thomas Tuchel won't be as worried. I know he's a very disciplined manager and I'm sure Chelsea will bounce back from um, such such a result. And I think this result is one of all those bleeps that will happen for every club throughout the season. So it's just one of those things that I'm sure Chelsea will dust off and they will go again. Yeah, one of those things. Yeah, That's the thing. The title race is so, is so tight that unnecessary drop points. When I say unnecessary, I mean there are teams that 
if I were a coach or an owner of a club or a fan of a club, I expect that there are some teams you do not drop points to. With all due respect, if you want to win the Premier League, you should not drop points to Burnley, Norwich, Newcastle, um, what other abysmal team am I missing out? Um, I think there are, there are like two more that you should not drop points, not even a single point to any of them home or away. I think that's when you're serious. And Burnley should not... I mean, Burnley are 18, are they not? So for you to drop points in your own stadium against Burnley, obviously Chelsea fans will tell me that they are still topping the Premier League all well and good, but these are two unnecessary drop points. And at the end of the season, this will come back to bite Chelsea and I'll be here to remind you and Chelsea fans that this is why they did not win the Premier League. Um, and for the game itself, yeah, I watched, I was telling you this of like before we started recording, but I might as well just say it on the podcast. I watched the game outside in a bar and I saw the lineup. I had already watched the Manchester Derby and before the Chelsea match started, I was in a bar watching with a friend of mine and then obviously we were surrounded by strangers and I told him that after I saw the lineup, I was like, Chelsea cannot win this match. And just as Nigerians, uh, some Chelsea fans heard me talking to, I was just talking to one person, but all of them decided to add their mouth and say, what do you know? You don't know anything about football. Who are you? Which club do you support? How can you say um, Chelsea will not beat Burnley? Who did Burnley? Nobody did Burnley. Who won't score? Who won't did, 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 did? At the end of the day, what happened? 1-1. Why did I say what I said? I said Chelsea to play with eight men when I saw the lineup. Minus three. Barkley should not be a footballer. He should go and start a business or something because he was on loan at Sevilla last season. And if you cannot break into their Sevilla starting team, which mid-table team is going to sign you? No mid-table team is going to start Barkley. I, I said maybe he wants to start in the relegation threat inside like Burnley and Norwich. He's not going to start in any serious-minded club. So he might as well just retire. You start with Hudson Odoi, Barkley, Kante. That's minus three. I know what people will tell me. Kante is one of the best midfielders in the world. Yada, yada, yada. Well, this is what I think. I think starting Kante against low-block low teams, against low-limited sides that only sit back and defend, you're doing yourself a disservice. Because Kante does his best job at winning the ball. Kante is a ball-winning midfielder. Kante is not good at creating chances. Kante is not good at drawing out defenders. Kante is not good in tight spaces. Kante is just good at winning the ball back. And if you're going to have a lot of the possession, like obviously Chelsea did against Burnley, and would do against Norwich, and would do against Watford, and would do against Newcastle, all these teams, Kante should not be playing against them. You need another creative midfielder that can actually unlock tight defenses, not Kante. Kante playing against all these teams is a waste of space on the pitch because he's not he's basically not doing anything on the pitch because you have so much of the ball that he doesn't really need to work too hard before he wins it back. And then he's not going to help you create any chances. So why is Kante on the pitch? And when I saw those three, I said that Chelsea were not going to win. And it happened. And Tukel made the changes, but for me, it was too little too late. He brought on Messi Mount, um, Pulisic, and um, Loftus Cheek. Loftus Cheek, who is more interested in competing take ons and dribbles than actually playing football. He doesn't know what the work of a midfielder has. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before that he needs to actually be playing passes sooner than he does. 
but he came on with his team down by uh, sorry not down but like his team joining imagine they needed to win and he was dribbling people instead of looking up and trying to play a pass to Havertz or whoever that was in front of him so that's that's the worry and we you know we we talked and we bashed um we bashed um Oligon Associa for resting Ronaldo before the international break. Remember the last international break we did that? United yeah, against I remember. Everton. So can you yeah, tell me why nobody everyone seems to be quiet? Nobody is is hammering on Thomas Tukio resting, Messi Mount and Pulisic in front of an international break. The Pulisic one, like I like I told you of the same, uh, the same Pulisic that is that is fit enough to play for the US national team this international break. The thing is, the thing is, he, he doesn't want to rush him back into the team. He has been out for a long while. Well, but guess what? Is, US are going but, to rush him back. So it doesn't matter in the end, does it? Yeah, in the end, it doesn't matter. You can say that. But I just want to highlight some of the things you said. I could have easily gone into each of them one after the other. But the way I would just talk about it is for someone that rates Vinicius Jr. high, so high, you're being very harsh today. But what am I harsh on? Am I harsh on Barkley? Would you, would nah, you that, like that, Barkley? That, that, that's what I'll just say. That's what I'll just say. For someone that is so... That is so... Um, I mean, the same, the same Vinicius Jr. That, were, that put in another good performance this weekend for Real Madrid is who we're talking about. Okay, of course. Of course. No problem. No problem. Wait, so who was I harsh on out of the three players I mentioned? You 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 just you just made Ngolo Kante look as if he's not a good player anymore. No no no, I said Kante L- against L- Smart. Now check it. Kante against small team. If you check Champions League, the run the running, he was man of the match in most of the games. Why they were tough games for Chelsea against Real Madrid home and away. The final against Man City. The second leg against Porto. These are games that Chelsea were put under pressure. Hence why Kante was useful. And important and one man of the match. Kante will never, and I'm saying it, Kante will never win you a game against Burnley or Watford. It is your creative players that win you games like that, which Kante is not. Well, it's cool. Cool. I've like I've said what I said. Like, oh, am I one that rates that rates Vinicius and all those other bombs? You're being too harsh today. Okay. Okay, I see that now we're accepting mediocrity just like the the Glazers accepted. Of which no. the Glazers are united, they accept the bare minimum. Like what is accepted at United is top four. So now we're accepting that a midfielder should just stay and win the ball back a couple of times. Don't create any chance in a match and then you've played well. Is that what we're saying a midfielder should not be doing? Every every midfielder have their own priority on the pitch. Ngolo Kante, Ngolo Kante is is most most of his work is a DM and is a box to box. So you cannot expect him to be creating chances. And, and every time. winning the balls, right? Yes, exactly. Which is why I said that you don't need him in this kind of match because you're going to have a lot of possession. Why not bench him and play someone that can actually create chances? I didn't say Kante is not a good player. I said Kante is not a good player in this kind of match. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's cool. It's kind uh, of... I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm thinking about it too much, but if I were a coach, there's no way I'm putting Kante against the likes of Watford and Burnley. No way in here. 
I see what you're saying. It's calm. It's calm. Um, another team that underperformed this weekend, Liverpool. Um, but was this much of a shock? Liverpool, West Ham, three two to West Ham. Um, I, when when I was watching the match, um. The first goal was from a set piece. I was like, okay, cool, Liverpool. Should it have stood? There's a lot of controversy and arguments about it. Do you think it should have stood? Yeah, it should have stood because I don't I don't think the, he did the goalkeeper anything. The goalkeeper yeah, was... I think Alisson ran into him, yeah? Yeah, exactly. exactly. No, the thing is, the thing is, they protect goalkeepers too much. So, every time goalkeepers get away with making mistakes, Alisson misjudged the ball. And the ball went to the back of the net. Simple. Like no one, no one actually. I think it was a fault for the third goal as well that he misjudged the flight of the ball yet again. But the second goal, maybe he was not at fault, but definitely the first and third. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, the thing is, West Ham we've we've seen have them been playing, especially from 2020 down to 2021. Um, David Moyes is doing a very good job. I think he's mocking Manchester United. With every victory he gets, nah, nah, I don't, I don't think Moyes would do much better than Ole. If I'm being honest, okay, no problem, no problem. Let's carry on. But what I'm just trying to highlight is, time and time again, we've seen it from this Liverpool team. Um, they they couldn't replace one out of I said this at the start of the season. The reason why I don't look at Liverpool as a title contender is simply because they don't have the firepower. In terms of people, when people when you hear firepower, people just think about your attacking players. But you need to consider your midfield and your defense. And Liverpool, with the way they play, if the midfield is not right, their defense will be open for anyone to take them on. And we've seen it time and time again this season. In every game, even the athletic game, every game Liverpool have played this season, they were not at it. Like I'll even go as far back as Chelsea. Even when Chelsea was playing, if Messi Mount was. At, at least decent in that game and could pick passes and give Lukaku the ball he needed. Just could have been two goals up before the red card incident. And have, yeah, I recall, I recall a few instances. And have so, it, so what, what, what I'm just saying is, like, when you look at Liverpool, you can easily get at them. It, how can you be starting Chamberlain and Henderson together? Like, it's, it's not surprise when I look at their midfield and they're not able to keep up. Previous years, you have Wijnaldum, who is an engine, who works hard and try and close down and mark everyone. Like, you is, know it what comes... that... is it fair to say that Robertson is also not at his best? You mentioned... Yeah, Robertson is not also at his best, but like most times where, when you look at it, they are always out of position. And when they are out of position, you expect their midfielders to step in. And we've seen it previous years when Arnold, Robertson, they are not in position, the midfielders step in. But what, what, what I just want to highlight is you remember the second goal? That sums the second goal sums everything I'm talking about about Liverpool's midfield. The second goal, they made they made um what is his name? Um this guy, Gerard Bowen, look like Messi. Four people <laughs> were around Gerard Bowen and they couldn't get the ball of Gerard Bowen. And Gerard Bowen was able to pick out and um, pick out um, Pablo Fornals, who eventually scored the goal. So it sums up Liverpool's midfield. And if they don't get that right. I don't see them being contenders. I think they'll just finish third. Um, yeah, just to buttress your point about the defense, I think Van Dijk is the only one that defended properly. I know Arnold scored and assisted, but Arnold for me is the best defender in the world that cannot defend. 
That's how I describe him. Like, Arnold is not the best defender in the world, but he's the best that cannot defend. That's what Arnold is. Because I have never seen a defender. And correct me if I'm wrong, Arnold is not short. Yeah, he might not be the tallest of players, but Arnold is not short. Arnold is the only defender I've ever seen that is terrified at challenging for balls in the air. Arnold was looking both times, ball watching when United, sorry, when, yeah, when West Ham United scored from the corners. Arnold, it's not even that Arnold defended badly. Arnold decided not to defend. And no one is saying anything about it because he's got a free kick and he assisted. But at the end of the day, he's a defender first and foremost. So I'm wor- I'm a bit worried about that because if you keep doing this, then yes, you beat the likes of Norwich and the- and all those ones with ease. But people like West Ham that actually test you, then Arnold might let the team down. I, I agree. I remember the third goal where, because I, I watched the highlights, like I said, I saw I saw part of the game. And I was like, Liverpool will eventually win this. I came back to the game when I saw that Liverpool were 3-1 three, three down. So I was like, when I saw the Zuma go, I was like, what is going on here? Zuma had so much time that he could have a, a, a tea party in Liverpool 18-yard box and no one was to pick him. So like, it was, it was actually crazy that no, one's, no one saw that. And looking at it, Arnold was the one that could have easily picked him out. But still... Arnold. But the, the reason why I don't want to blame Arnold is simply because, like, no one can actually come on and say, because of the output Arnold has, the attacking output, so he makes up for it, like, defensively, like, it bash itself out. I don't know how to explain it, but, like, that's why I see it in my head. Yeah, because of yeah, the, he makes up for his defensive filters. Yeah, exactly. So, because of the way he, he is, so I think he, he makes up for it. But the thing is, I think Yogun Club, if they don't start certifying the problems they have in midfield because I think the major problem is the midfield. If they have the midfield balance right, then defense will become solid. If they don't, because timing, we, this year we've seen it time and time again. It has been Salah bailing them out because Salah has been the one scoring, scoring, and he has bailing them out. Liverpool, they've not been able to keep clean sheets. Which, of which Salah has now come down to human level. He's no more on godlike level. Exactly. Exactly. So, so the thing is, they need to find a way to rectify that thing so that they don't drop too much from their rivals, which is now. Which what, do you, um, what do you think about the Cresswell? What do I think about what? The Cresswell incident, red card. Yeah, that's a red card. That's a red card. Exactly. I mean, it. I was astonished that. Well, I think I'm. I'm. I'm getting used to English referees being terrible, but still, this is a new low for them. But then, for you to see such a dangerous tackle now, Henderson is a very lucky man because if he had made more contact with him, that's a leg breaker, and that that was on his knee. You're you're talking an injury for like six months at least if he had made proper contact. So what? Are we saying because he didn't make proper contact, so that's acceptable? The truth is, the truth is, Anderson was, um, Anderson was lucky because if his full weight was on that, his, um, his leg, um, he could have gone. Died. There's no way. He could have been eight, eight months out straight. That's the season done from him and the beginning of next season as well. It could have been crazy. So, But I'm just happy 
he 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 got out of it and he was lucky to get out of it. But the thing is, like I've said, I've always said on this app and on this platform that um the English referees they are terrible. And the thing for me is when they come out and give terrible decisions, they always find a way to justify it. Like I don't even know how they do it, but they always try a way and make it and say, ah, it's not a clear and obvious error. It's not this, it's not that. They just I, make I hate, I hate that phrase now. I, that's the phrase I hate the most on it now. Clear and obvious. So it's just crazy at the end of the day. But clear and me, obvious error. But to me that was a plain and obvious record. Um, speaking of referee decisions, what do we make of Arsenal's goal? Now, I, that's the only thing I want to talk about. Arsenal's goal where Watford players kicked the ball out of play, but Arsenal didn't give them the ball back. Who, who side are you on? <laughs> Honestly, up to now, I've not still understood the incident. Like, I think a player went down. Arsenal yeah, a Watford, a Watford player went down and then... Danny Rose, in his infinite wisdom, decided to kick the ball out of play very close to his own box. And then Arsenal took the throw-in and attacked them from there. Normally, in that kind of situation, Arsenal are meant to give them, give Watford back the ball because out of sportsmanship. But Arsenal wanted to win and didn't care about sportsmanship on the day. So, you, who, who is wrong? Should Arsenal have given them back the ball? Or should Watford have defended better? Honestly, honestly, you can't say Arsenal they are wrong because you can't. It's it's not a rule. It's not like it's a rule that you must yeah, give yeah, the ball. Yeah, it's not a rule, but but talking of sportsmanship. Uh, well, well, a lot of people they they, they like the sportsmanship out the window. At the end of the day, our Arsenal fans will be happy about is they got the three points. And to me, like this is the same yeah, thing. Definitely, like, definitely. I keep saying what what for they need to be doing better because they were ball watching. Because they allowed Ben White to dribble past two players. Ben White you know, they exactly, because they, they actually had the ball. There was a time an Arsenal player played the ball into the box and Watford got the ball and then lost it again. So that's where, exactly. that's where they've, even, they've even lost me of, of the sympathy of, oh, we gave them the throw. Because if Arsenal had scored directly from the train, let's say a long train to the box and then they scored, I'll say, okay. But Arsenal lost the ball and Watford gave it back to them. Exactly. So, like, they need to be doing better. And and the, the thing is, the thing is, this is not Arsenal's fault. It's just, it's just what fault. They were all over the place in their defending, and Arsenal capitalized and they pounced and they got their goal. Um, for for Arsenal now, I think a lot of people need to start taking them more seriously. Arsenal have the most points in the Premier League in the last what eight weeks. They are unbeaten in ten, eight wins and two draws in all competitions and they are facing Liverpool next if they can get something from Liverpool then maybe just maybe they are top four contenders okay cool cool I know we're about to leave England now but I just want to ask you a quick question don't waffle just straight answer right now judging by what you've seen so far just name your top five like the top five finishes for each club like for example um, the top um, one to five, the people, the teams that will finish in those places, from what you've seen so far. In the, in the order, like, do I have to no, 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 order? Top five, or can I say this one first, this one second? No, 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 you don't need to do it a part, in any particular order. Those the teams that will finish in the top four, in the top five, no, not just top four, top five. Um, 
wow, these are actually tough. I'll say the first three is obvious: um, City, Liverpool, Chelsea. I'll say Man U are the fourth team. I'm torn between West Ham and Arsenal. I'm torn between West Ham and Arsenal. I'll say on current form, I say West Ham. Okay, I think West Ham. We've seen this before. West Ham will drop off. They are in Europe and they don't have that quality to actually run in a 32, 38 game um, season. So we'll see. We'll see. And, and even you know, they funny. finished though. They weren't too far off. Yeah, they went too far, but they dropped off. We saw it at the end of last season. But do you, you know what's funny? In a few weeks' time, I'll actually again when Antonio Conte's team turned on to the party. So let's go on. Hey, hey, but but they, they they did not turn up to the party this weekend because that's yet another match without a shot on target. But no time for that because I mean the game was was not the best. Let's just say. Yeah, exactly. But I think Everton should have gotten a penalty. They they were awarded a penalty then. VAR in their infinite wisdom decided it was not a penalty. Now over to Spain. We have to talk about this. There's no way around it. Now, can someone please explain the problem of Barcelona Football Club to me? Because I was looking at it, I saw 3 0. I was like, game is over. Barcelona finally hitting some form. Maybe because they've announced the the coming of Xavi. And to my utter amazement, it ended 3 3. Honestly, How? Uh, the thing is, the thing is, the thing is, like, I was watching the game and I was like, this game is done. But as soon as those injuries hit, Fatih got injured, he went out. Nikon Gonzalez got injured, he went out. Um, we heard that um, Garcia, who are managing, Garcia were just managing him. He couldn't come back in because he got, he, um, there was a, there was a, an injury scare, so they had to just pull him out. So Barcelona had three key players injured. Nico Gonzalez was one was, was the one controlling that midfield in the first half. So immediately that injury hit, I was like, man, if Barcelona don't find a way so to... Is that, that enough of an excuse? No, it's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. I'm just saying, like, I was just like, if Barcelona don't find a way to retain possession, definitely Seta Figo will equalize. And boom... They got the first goal, they got the second goal, and they got the third goal. And I, I, I've said this already in this podcast. We've seen it already. I've said this with the injuries Barcelona is having. It's not just normal. You cannot just say this person is injury prone. Muscular injury. Barcelona has had 12 injuries this season, and, and they are all muscular. So they need to look at that department. And even today, I was reading that two of the physios have been fired by the, by the club. So it's like in this stuff. Fired years ago. Exactly. Look it seems like the club. No, no, I'm just alighting that. It seems like the club, they are trying to get to the root of this thing because when you look at it, it's not just normal to be having players constantly. Like, you can say some kind of injuries are unavoidable, but when you start hearing things like and um, things like thigh injury, um, hamstring, all those kind of injuries, it, it, it now tells you the kind of training they are doing. Because I'll, I'll give you an example. There was a there was a, 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 a there was this um assessment when they did like Dembele. Dembele sprints like 20% in training. But when he plays in match, he sprints like 80% in a match. So if you're sprinting 80% in a match, you get into the course. Yeah. 
you get injured because your body is not used to it. What your body is used to is 20%. Do you understand? So it's it's it just it's just one of the most like some some of the things reports coming out from Barcelona, you you begin to wonder is that is that even a football club anymore? Because it's, it's becoming comical and laughable. Some of all the things we we hear coming out from Barcelona, even if sometimes the training ground is not the training ground is not open, lights are not on, even one hour before the training starts. That shows you how unserious they they, they are. But they are, that, that means they are keeping to time, right? They want the training to start before they put on the lights. <laughs> no, like it's 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 nonsense. No, like honestly, it's nonsense. And again, just to highlight, yeah, I think. It's time. I've said this before. I, I know. You, I know you can. You remember this clearly. I will. I will repeat what I said. What I said before. A goalkeeper that concedes eight goals, eight goals against a club, there should be an inquest into that. And I've said this already time and time again. One of Barcelona's problem is Mark Andre Tiestegen. Tiestegen. What? what? is not that guy. That's the truth. Um, I will agree that since he returned from injury, yes. But before that, I mean, he was Barcelona's best player apart from Messi. You see, see, see. When people say that, like people think, oh, he's playing well. Like I can, okay, I can put. Okay, what what is the best way to put it? Okay, apart from, apart from, um, like, like let let me put it like this. In let's say in a very shitty team. One person can still be the best player, even if he's Testegen will start for a major club right now. No, no, Testegen, I mean, you know before, before Testegen will start injury. for Arsenal. Do you, do, do, do you agree with that? That Testegen will start for Arsenal as it is. He will start for Arsenal. Nah, you, he can't. He can't bench Ramsdale. Let's be honest. Well, what Ramsdale? Testegen at his best or what? Not. We're not talking about. We're talking about what's seen currently. Testegen can't bench any top team goalkeeper right now. Okay, who, 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 is in, who is in the Barcelona defense that is helping Ter Stegen out? Let's start no, from no, there. No, 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 no. Let's, okay. No, no, we, can't, we, we, can't, we cannot shift all the blame to the keeper. Who is in that? Okay, okay. Okay, since we are not shifting on the GGC, the goals Barcelona considered. If yes, I did. Those, okay, if, if you saw those goals, then why are you now arguing with me? Because especially the third goal, the, um, the, the equalizer from... Yeah, um, yeah, well, as pass. That one was a goalkeeper save. Any top class goalkeeper for a world class team will actually save that. But yes, now, this, this now let that. me let me let, let me go another way. Yeah, let me go another way. I agree with you that you could have done better. Yeah, but talk about comical. We talked we talked about the fact that United were dreadful, and a lot of teams this that that that. Barcelona players, now, I'm not even joking. I'm not making this up. Anyone listening to this can research it. Three Barcelona players got booked in added time for time-wasting. Three. Frankie de Jong, Ter Stegen, and Sergio Busquets. And still, they consider the equalizer. What does that tell you? How can you waste time, but still, you consider the equalizer? That means the entire team is not serious. I will not even say it's the keeper. How can three players get booked for time wasting and they still don't win the match? That's a joke. The truth is, the truth is, we can we've already we've already established the fact that this Barcelona team, um, it's filled with 
young players coming through who, which looks they look promising and there's inexperience in some of them already but still the, the uh what is it called the old heads they're, they're not even helping themselves we already know that fact but what i'm saying is at the end of the day since we already know that fact that this team needs a complete revamp and a complete um a wake-up call since we already established that fact what i'm just saying is people overlook tst again a lot and for the amount of money he earns i think he should be one of the i think he should be the highest paid goalkeeper in the world for the money he earns i think i think newcastle want to buy him while hearing reports of that so would you be happy with that yeah exactly i'll be happy with that and then would basa go out and get as a replacement Whoever, whoever they see in the market that is promising. No, you can't tell players. me whoever they see. Who is better than Testegen that will want to go to Barcelona at this point in time? You cannot know these things. We, we okay. We like with with anyone come here and say Ramsdale was better than Leno, but now we're seeing that Ramsdale is better than actually better than Leno. You can't know on these things until you try. One of Barcelona's problem is Testegen and. And now I will urge you, yeah, when you watch. I won't, I won't even go that far to say he's better than Leno. I'll just say he's in better form. I need to see a long stretch from Ramsdale first. No problem, no problem. But what I just what I just say, yeah, to just um just die the test second matter is that I just need you now to just watch Barcelona games and watch the kind of goals they concede. Sometimes the Stegen doesn't even dive. That shows you how 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 he's dropping. He doesn't dive if well. Well, I know there's okay, 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 okay. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. You follow yeah. Jeremy. You follow Jeremy. Yeah. Why yeah. will Noya, Mano Noya, huh? who yeah. was out for like almost the entirety of a season, and Tiestegen, who everyone was saying had the best season that yeah. year, Noya just came back yeah. one month before the World Cup, but they still took Noya and they started Noya ahead of Tiestegen. Why was that? Try to tell you why. Okay. That was incompetence from Joachim Love. Joachim Love ruined that Germany team. I know he made them because he won the World Cup with them in 2014. But Joachim Love ruined that team. The team was in disarray during the World Cup, after the World Cup, till these Euros, they were still terrible. So, as far as I'm concerned, Testegen should have started in the 2018 World Cup, but not after that. But for that one in particular, Testegen should have started. Because it's all new. Let me let me just put it this way, yeah. There is no way. Thank God now they've changed manager. Hansi Flick wants to start here again. Oh, no, unless no, unless Manuel Noya is out for 12, 12 did months. You, <laughs> did you listen to what I said? I said yeah, I heard at you. I heard time, you. Yeah, at the time he should have started testing, but after then Noya deserves to come back to the team. That's what I said. I heard you. No problem. But what I'm saying is. Now that there is a new manager in Germany, he wants to start for Germany. That's just of, of which, remember that he had, that Neuer played under Hansi Flick at Bayern. So, obviously, there's still going to be that. He has played under me, Bayern. No, no, no problem. Let's, you're and, doing it as if you, now they are cheating, they are cheating, they are cheating T.S. Stegen. Let's just call his spade his spade and say he's not good enough to start for Germany. Let's be real. Obviously, he's, he's definitely not good enough to start for Germany. Exactly, I mean, that's but, what I'm saying. That's Come on, but um, off the top of my head, I can't think of too many world class keepers that will be available right now. 
No, 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 you're not being honest. You're not being honest. If you wanted to keep they should have gone for Donnarumma with more seriousness. If if we call if we mention top ten goalkeepers, the stadium might be ninth in that list. But he's top ten. Which is you which is top ten. You which wait, 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 which wait. is not bad for a club like Barcelona to have a top ten keeper. No, no, no. Bas- a club like Barcelona should be having a keeper of top five. We all know this. Let's be real now. Dude, was Valdez top five? When he was when he was active. He wasn't. Yeah, but yeah, because the, yeah, but because the team was five, good yes. enough, you didn't see the frailties of Valdez. Yeah, at at some point he was top five. Let's be real. At what point was that? The year Barcelona won the treble. There were a few goalkeepers better than him. So uh, off the off the top of my head now, I would say I'd say Casillas, Peter Cech, Van der Sar, Buffon. That's four already. I'm sure there was one more. So I don't think he was top five. No, nah, he was top five. Well, but mm. but let's not drift away from the initial uh, statement. Initial statement is maybe he was fifth. The, the, the initial statement is Stegen is one of Barcelona's problems. If they don't rectify it, they'll keep leaking goals. On on the scale of problems, I think if we're saying if we're mentioning all the players that are problems of Barcelona, the second will probably be down at number 10 or 11. There are 10 no. problems than Testegen, which is why I think you're being harsh. But what I would say is, I agree with you when you say there are other priorities in terms of problem, but Testegen should be considered a top priority as well because if your goalkeeper, we've seen one of the major difference from Arsenal this season is that Ramsdale is able to make sure that they keep that clean sheet and pull off saves. That's why they've been able to get the points they've been getting. And you then, need your goalkeeper when, to be doing when that your as well. Team, when your team cannot defend, you see, you see, there's there's one there's one thing I, I, I kept telling United fans back in the day, when a lot of them were telling me the hair is now rubbish, the hair is now rubbish. I told them the hair is not rubbish. The hair was superhuman for five years. Like the hair was not a human being, the hair was an alien, a god amongst men, making saves that nobody should make. That's what he was doing. Then he came down to the level of a human. Then he started making errors that other keepers make. He started doing things that normal keepers do and he stopped doing the superhuman things. That doesn't mean he was no more good. That just meant that he was no more at that superhuman level. Which is why I say that, yes, the second has been considering goals, but are they really errors that he's making? I don't think they are. You look at you look at what Mendy did for, let me just say, one man they did for Chelsea against Brentford, where Chelsea were abysmal for the la- I think I've used that word a lot in this episode. Where Chelsea were terrible against um Brentford for the last 30 minutes of that game. Mendy made like seven world class saves, or maybe I'm stretching, maybe five or six. So if Mendy if Mendy had considered it that game, will you tell me Mendy made a mistake or what? No, he did not because the things Mendy did in that match, yeah, the things Mendy did in that match were not normal. So because Testegen is no more making superhuman saves, does not mean he's no more good. Now let me say something. We're not even saying make superhuman. He didn't make any saves. That is the issue. Don't you understand this? He did, <laughs> I, I, we're not saying make super. He didn't make any saves. Look at me. You brought on Mendy for Brentford. Chelsea didn't start their main backline due to injuries. For Rudiger, they started the young kids and they still they were able to keep a clean sheet. Because yes, those in front of 
um, what is his name? Um, those in front of Edu, Edu Mendy were not as world class as the ones that Chelsea used to rely on. But Edward Mendy was still able to keep a clean sheet because he knows that that game matters to Chelsea and he knows that his team should not be dropping points against Brentford. But now you consider one, two, three in the same half. And even before then, let me even you remind are, you. Setafigo scored like Setafigo scored like two more goals that were disallowed by VAR. Setafigo scored two two goals that were disallowed by VAR. That showed you that Sestegen was just picking what Chesega's job in that match was just to pick the ball out of the net. Okay. That was that was his job. He was not making any but, save. But, so let's but, be real. But Longley and Mingeza should not be starting for Barcelona. Are we are we are we agreeing on that? Yes, you can agree on that, but still, let's see that the second is not good enough. Barcelona. Yes, yes. I see. I will agree with everything you want to say, but I want you to agree that the second is not good enough. That's just it. Let's be real. No, I, I would say he has not been at his best, but I won't say he's not good enough. Oh man, I give up. It's okay, no problem. <laughs> um, speaking of giving up, I think I let. I think Simeone might just give up on the title race now after what Atleti did. How can you be leading 3-1 at the 91st minute and you draw the game? Man, I can't even banter Atleti because it's the same nonsense Barcelona did. No, I think, I, I, think, I think this is worse. I think this is worse. You look at the time where they consider both goals. Yeah. Um, yeah, you could you can say it was, and we all know Atleti's reputation on able to um, see out games. And now, I don't I don't know what's happening. Like, like I've asked you this thing before. Do you think Simeon's time is up at Atleti? I don't I don't know what's happening because you know why? Yeah, because Barcelona and Real Madrid are not as dominant as they were. If Barcelona and Real Madrid were as dominant as they were, Atletico Madrid would not even be in the title race, as we speak. But they are in the title race because Barcelona have dropped so far down and Real Madrid have dropped, but not too far. Real Madrid are in the title race because now there's really nobody that at their level. Because Real Madrid's defense is terrible, but you have Benzema and my boy Vini bailing them out time and again. And so, Atletico... With those with prime Barcelona and Real Madrid, we probably have sacked Simeone. But because they are in a state where they are still in the conversation, there's no way they are letting Simeone go. But you, do you, you, you actually think um they have the like what the will to kind kind of sack Simeone? Because we we know that the reason why at um Simeone is being I think he yeah, lifted them from basically nothing. So there, he has. I think that the term used in football is like he has a lot of credit in the bank. So for what he has done, he will not be sacked. But as well, Dean Smith had a lot of credit in the bank and guess what? Aston Villa let him go. So you never know. Exactly. Like, because I want, I just, because honestly, like when you look at the way they play, like they've lost their style of play. They are not as defensively solid. Like if when you watch their games these days, they concede a lot. Like, let, let's be real. They're not as defensively solid as they used to be then. Oh, you're, the you're, saying, you're saying they're not as defensively solid. I'm going to say they're not defensively solid at all. That's yes, even, exactly. Yes, that's even that's, worse than what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. And we all know that Simeon prides himself on being a, a being a team that is your heart that is hard to beat and hard to break down. So, like, truthfully, like something has to give. Like, if they know 
Because let, 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 let me just put it like this. With the squad he has, he should be doing better. And like you said, Barcelona. Like, just to, to look at it as, as this. In La Liga, the top teams are not even good enough. I don't even think Real Madrid is good, good enough this season. It's just that Barcelona is very terrible. And Atleti, they are very terrible. That's why it looks like Real Madrid, they are still sustaining themselves. Like, if... Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to... Like, yeah, definitely. If, if, if Madrid were in the Premier League, they would not win it. If Madrid were in Bundesliga, they would obviously not win it. So I agree with you. Yeah, so, but, but what I'm just saying is, if they drop too far, because let, let, let me just put it like this now. So maybe, maybe there'll be a situation where, because I've seen some of Barcelona games, I see that um, Barcelona will have some, a, a very good unbeaten run. Hopefully, if it doesn't come, if it comes. But what I'm just saying, if Barcelona ends up like passing Atleti in this table, and it now looks like their top four position, is going to be threatened. I don't know if the Atleti they have it in them to sack Simeone, but it will be interesting to find out. Yeah, yeah, I think that that will be one to watch. But I doubt that they will sack him. But stranger things have happened in football, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now let's say I I didn't touch on this before. I should have. Xavi has been unveiled at Barcelona. Now, let me just say that. I mean, Barcelona, I love the way they make everything so so much of a spectacle. Why do they need 10,000 fans to welcome Xavi at the club? I mean, other clubs just hire managers and that's all. But they made it a show. You had the fans in the stadium. You had them signing the contract live in front of them. All well and good. I have no problem with that. That's how Barcelona run their club. And you know, you know, there's this thing I keep hammering on where I judge a coach on two things: the tactics you use and the things you say in the press. You know, I always hammer on that. Yeah, exactly. I, I tell you, I tell you that only says the dumbest things. Like I gave an example of when he said this weekend he wanted to go back to what we had. Yeah, only says some of the dumbest things ever heard in management. And he, that, that wasn't even the only dumb thing he said this weekend. He said. Um, they asked him what happened, what went wrong, and he was like, "Um, we could not find the angles. What angles? Are you doing mass? We could not find the angles. The 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 it was just waffling and saying nonsense. So, why do you it. sound so pissed? You you sound angrier than a Manchester United fan. <laughs> no, no, because how can this guy be coaching a club like I've said it? I've said it before on this podcast that if Ole is sacked. In fact, not if when Ole is sacked by United, he will not get a job at even a, a relegation threatened Premier League side. They know that he's not good enough. So, <laughs> so I I watched I watched the uh, not everything obviously because it was like over thirty minutes Javi's interview or whatever press conference, and then. There are some things Javi said where I was like, I just started shaking my head that this guy has come. I thought I thought Javi was smarter than this. There are some things he said and I just shook my head. Javi said, now let me see what I agree with. Javi said that um, he's coming and that the club is going to work hard. And um, yeah, they are going to... Basically, he said that hard work is a priority over style of play right now. That's what I understood from what he said. Because we know Barcelona love tiki taka, love swashbuckling football. But Javi is talking about hard work being the priority first before the style of play. I'm like, oh well and good, that's acceptable. But then when you go on to come and start saying 
um Barcelona is the best club in the world. Yeah, you want the fans to be happy. That's I'm fine with that also. But when you now come and start saying um we must win every match, um a draw is not enough, a defeat is not acceptable, we are Barcelona football club, we want to win trophies, we want to do that, we want to do that. All of a sudden you started putting pressure on yourself. Because let me tell you, the bar at Barcelona is unbelievably low. I think the lowest since I started watching football. This is the lowest that Barcelona fans have been. This is the lowest that they expect. Before, a Barcelona fan would tell you that a trophyless season is unacceptable. But right now, a Barcelona fan would tell you that, the average Barcelona fan would tell you that they are fine with top four. So the bar is already low. Why don't you keep a low profile and walk and then you can surprise the fans with maybe winning the Copa del Rey and finishing second instead of fourth. But now you've already gone and you've, you've already gone and started saying, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do that. So all of a sudden, they're going to hold you to a higher standard. I don't think that was no, the smartest thing to do. No, 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 no. I, I, this is why I disagree. The reason for it is, you might look at it and say, because I'm a Barcelona fan, but if you actually listen to what I'm about to say, you see it makes a lot of sense. When he said that, huh, he added that the player's mentality, the reason why he said that is, these players lose, draw, there's no consequences for them. They just sit down there and they are happy with it. Remember, what's, said, what's, the, what's the consequences implementing? No, 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 no. The reason why I'm saying this here is the mentality at the club needs to change. Remember when we came on here and criticized Kuman? Kuman will come and say, ah, we need to be realistic. Um, this is not, um, this is not tacky tacky, you know, start, you know, the nonsense Kuman was saying. So now this yes, is a yes. fresh, the, 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 this is a fresh mentality and he's saying, he's not even but saying it, it for the fan. Is it not possible for, because, okay, now I agree with you that Kuman was extremely pessimistic, yeah? Yeah, we can all, we can all agree with that, yeah? Yes, yes. And now, is it, not, is it not better to come and be realistic? Why does Javi have to be overly optimistic? Can there not be it's a not mutual amount of realism? No, 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 no. If you go and go through the press conference, he didn't say any... He, he, what he just said was... was not. He, 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 see, let me tell you the truth. Uh, forget, forget that I'm a Barcelona fan. The truth is, that press conference, I watched part of it, I slept off. When I woke up, I went to read the entire thing. That was the most... Like insightful and well leveled, like it was as if he had trained for it before coming there. Well leveled and detailed, everything he hit the nail on the head on what he's what what he's uh, um, going to do and what he's going to say. He didn't even give too much away. Like he just said, what like I remember when they asked him about Ntiti and um, Dembele. Do you know what he said? He said in his book, everyone has a fresh start. Everyone have his fresh start. He's not coming in and saying this one is favorite. So everyone have a fresh start. Yeah, yeah, so everyone yeah, is yeah, like, from like, zero. Like it should be the case. Yeah. Everyone should everyone should be from zero. It's not like Kuman that came into the club. You have not even seen Ricky Puch play. He has already kicked him to the bench. So everyone has a fresh start. So that like when okay, I remember when they even asked him about Gerard PK, Busquets, and all those other guys that he played with. He said, he said, like he twisted the um, answer. Like that's what a proper manager does because they are trying to force that answer for him. I'm saying. Oh, yeah. what, was, what was the question and what was his answer? Like, like the, the the question was going about like 
how will you be able to coach these guys that were your ex-teammates? So some yeah. person, someone even said this to me. Like someone said this on Twitter. Like when um, he said um, um, that he, what he said was the players he played with them. He knows how they think and he knows their weak points and he knows the the um, parts they can improve in. What's that? The answer they are trying to force from him is oh. Those players will not be my. Do you understand? Will not be my plans. Yeah. Or yeah. you know. So yeah. now the reason why I'm pointing out this is a lot of Barcelona made that statement a big deal when he said they were not like. You see, I told you, Xavi won't be successful because he'll be playing his friends. I was like, this guy has <laughs> not even put up his first lineup. You're already assuming, and and the thing is, you cannot even say because you cannot even. Let's be even be realistic. Let's say Xavi didn't take over. Any manager that comes in, he cannot throw out all the, all the what is it called, the um, senior players out unless there's yep. a transfer window, Be- and because you cannot have a player full with seventy year old and eighteen year old, you need to have a balance. So like I was not like you guys should calm down and stop making, um, um matter. Just stop making all these, all these um unnecessary. You're picking out things, and that's the same thing you're doing. You're just picking out things because when you look at it, uh. Truthfully, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm picking out that particular. No, no, no. I, I didn't, no, I didn't no, say no, the reason, entire. The reason, the reason why I'm saying you're picking out things, you, you, just hear me out. Just hear me out, yeah. The reason why I'm saying you're picking out things is when you listen to some of the statements you tell me, yeah, on this podcast concerning Barcelona players. If you listen to it, if you remember every time we talk about Barcelona, when you listen to most of the statements you point out, and most, and most of them are right and 100 percent you're spot on. Most of them is mentality. If you if if we if you go back to some of the things we've said on this podcast, most of that has to do with the mentality and the mindset of these players. And these players, when you look at them, none of them have they don't have this thing of there's a consequence. For example, when Busquets makes error in a football pitch, he knows that he will still start a game. Do you understand? He knows he will still play the next match. The next match after that. Okay, the so next now match everyone that. is fighting for their place. I get it. Exactly. Get it. So there needs, to um, be, there needs to be a mentality in that. Okay, so, so, what of, so what of when he said um, Dembele can be one of the best players in the world? Because I'm in my mind, I'm like, um, why not get him fit first? You know, you know, you know, you know the thing, yeah. When I saw that, I was like, he have even, you know, um, I think a year ago when they asked him about Dembele, he was like, and and I've said this thing already. When it comes to talent, Mbappe, Dembele is better than Mbappe. Talent, everything. But the only difference is one is a serious footballer. One is a serious footballer. He takes his football seriously. And now that one has turned to world class. The other one that still believes I have the old talent in the world, cruising, playing PS5 from now to daybreak, not training well, not eating properly. Are we, are we, are we not being harsh on him? The PS5 isn't what gets him injured, is it? No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Is is the way he he, he he takes care of himself and prepares himself. The reason why Xavi is saying that is to give the guy confidence, which is first, and he wants to make sure that he gives the guy one more chance to actually play. He doesn't want to discard him. It's not like he's saying ah. Uh, and when you look at it, Xavi is not wrong in saying that Dembele in his position can be one of the best best in the world. Like so, okay, if so, so, Dembele, so, so, yeah, he said. So if, uh, no, no, I'm not, I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't go on, go on. No, no, I'm just saying is a fully fit and um, Dembele can be one of the best because he has the pace, he has the dribbling, but the only thing that he's lacking 
he can't keep himself fit, which is one, and he doesn't commit, he doesn't have that commitment. That full okay. commitment. Of- so if you're Javi, yeah, and this is a very interesting situation because obviously <laughs> we all know that Dembele is out of contract in the summer. If you're Javi now and Dembele cannot stay fit from now to the end of the season, do you let him go? Or now that you've made that statement, do you feel like you're now indebted to trying to bring out the best team and even if he fails to be fit, you give him maybe a three-year contract or two-year and you try to go again next season. So is he giving Dembele from now to next season or does he have to give him more from this statement? The, the truth is, the truth is, before coming on the podcast, there were statements, uh, there were um, reports from various outlets saying Barca is about to give Dembele a contract. I mean, to be, it's not be a year contract to be by um, the amount of matches he plays for Barcelona. So I'm looking at it. He will accept that kind of deal. Okay. No one, um, no one, no one is going to accept that. Come, come on. No yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Obviously, he might not accept. But what I'm just trying to point out is Barcelona knows that they need to find a way to make sure that they get their money's worth from Dembele. But the thing is, bring come, coming back to the Xavi thing is when Dembele comes back from his injury. Obviously, Xavi will give him time to play. And if he, if he doesn't, that, that's what every manager... That, that's why, that's why I'm, I, I look at Oli and I laugh. When he tries something, it doesn't work. For me, a good manager is not the one that, ha- that gets everything right. A good manager is someone that tries things. And when it doesn't work, he raises his hand and says, okay, this thing doesn't work. And he changes immediately. There's no time to waste and start dwelling on your decision. When Guardiola tries something and experiments and he fails, yeah, he tries things, especially, okay, he tries things in the final, he fails. He comes out, he raises his hand up and he goes again, tries another thing and if he works, he, he, everyone praises him and says he's world class. So that's how it is. So if he tries Dembele and he doesn't work, he doesn't stay fit, he's not effective as he should be, then we move on. It's not as, it's not as deep as it should be. Um. Okay. I agree. I agree. You give him a chance, but <laughs> I'm wondering how that contract will go. I think Newcastle won them better. I think United and Chelsea won them better. United? So, um, yep, yep. They they want to assemble wingers. Like, I don't know. They don't even know their problem. They just want to buy all the wingers on earth. They've, they've not finished using Sancho. No, I, I think that should be a rumor because they have Sancho on the bench right now. Uh, would you, would you be surprised? I mean, every every team, you know, you know, there's this thing where you always feel it's going to be different with your club. Like you see, someone is terrible at the club, but you just feel like it's us. We're going to transform him. We're going to do him a miracle on him. Do you remember? Now I'll give you two examples where one has been good, one has been bad. Do you remember Ian Robben at Chelsea, injury prone, talented but injury prone? Yeah. Yeah, I remember Chelsea. Chelsea had to sell him, not because he was not good, but because he was virtually like Dembele is right now. Sold him to Madrid. He was still not good at Madrid. So Bayern thought, well, this is a talented player, but he cannot keep fit. So Bayern thought to themselves, what if we can keep him fit? It's unlikely, but what if we can keep him fit? What the player will have on our hands? And in the end, out turned out to be one of the best transfers of this century because Robben at Bayern was top five players in the world for about four or five years. And so the risk worked out for them. So Chelsea and United might be looking and the other teams might be looking. 
Well, Dembele cannot stay fit in Barcelona, but maybe, just maybe, he can stay fit in our club. And we know the talent he has. That's when so Robin worked out well. Falcao worked out terribly for Chelsea because I remember Falcao was terrible for Man U, not by his fault, but by injuries. So Falcao hardly had a kick for United for the year he was on loan for Monaco. And then Mourinho, in his infinite wisdom, said, he looked at Falcao, he looked at United, he said, Falcao did not play well in United, but maybe that's because it was just United. I'm going to be his coach. I'm the special one. I'm going to get the best out of Falcao. I'm going to keep him fit. What happened? Falcao was even worse at Chelsea. So I think he could go either way. And every team or some teams might want to take the risk. So it just depends on who is in charge at the club. Well, honestly, I can't lie to you as a Barcelona fan. As far as you people, you people, um, um, this thing, um, the teams like Mayu, Chelsea, um, Newcastle especially, if they can pay handsomely for him, like I'll be glad. So bring them. Who's money. going? Who is going to pay? He's going to be a free agent this summer. Ah, let's not do that. Let's not do that. We must make sure. <laughs> we must make sure we. Yeah, you think, you think any club is going to actually bring a transfer fee? Come on, stop clowning. Okay, okay, of course we'll see, we'll see. If it doesn't, if it, if it, that's will be dumb enough to do that because they have new money. No problem, we'll see. Um, so over to the CVR, the Milan derby. What a match! We had a first half of fire and brimstone. All hell, <laughs> let's lose. We we saw tackles, we saw everything, we saw passion, but the second half was a bit more low key. I think it was more tactical in the second half. I think um I think it was one of the games of the weekend. I, I enjoyed watching it. I, I wasn't yeah. I like I didn't yeah. start the game. I stayed like I think 10 minutes into the game. But I enjoyed every minute of it. It was entertaining, it was feisty, chances, it was end-to-end, penalties everywhere. It was, it was just it was just a very, very good derby. I enjoyed it. It was a good derby. I think I, I even enjoyed it. Um, over the classical. Um, obviously, one classical. I beg. So, um, two. Th- um, one thing now. We saw two penalties, and Lotaro Martinez is the main penalty taker at Inter. But Kahanoglu won the penalty, and he was fired up against his former side AC Milan. He took the first penalty, scored it. Now, because he was in such a buoyant mood. Should he have taken the second penalty, or was he right for the original taker Lotaro to take it, which of course he missed? Well, I don't know. I don't know which one because if I like, I don't like. I don't like speaking. Right? Is that hindsight is twenty twenty? Exactly. I don't like speaking from hindsight because we've seen exactly what went down. But the truth is, Lataro should be doing better with the penalty. Like these days, I don't understand. No, but, no, no. But you know, you know the weird thing. You know the weird thing. Eh? Yeah. Karnoglu's penalty was. It wasn't even straight down the middle. It was in the middle, but a bit to the left. Karnoglu's penalty was in terms of. Okay, I give you an empty post, and I say place a penalty. Lotaro's penalty was better placed, but his own was the one that was saved. Well, well, he was just but like you can say he's unlucky. But the reason why I'm I was not surprised by it is Lotaro's conversion rate. I don't like it. He needs 
yeah, 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 like, no, he needs, like he needs ten chance, chances to score one goal. Like I don't like I don't like all this kind of. He needs to he's, be more clinical. But isn't the greatest? Exactly, exactly. So his conversion rate is very, is very, very annoying. But overall, the game was the game was very entertaining. And I think Milan they could have easily edged it. They could have easily edged it because they yeah, were, like, towards the, the end of team. the game. Yeah. Yeah, towards the end of the game, they were the better side. They were creating chances. But creating I think chances. it's unfair on Inter to lose the game. I don't know. Ah, uh, man, I think if Milan had won the game, like I won't. I think I think it would be a fair result as well if Milan had won the game. Um, Roma, is it fair to say that the honeymoon phase with Mourinho is over? Oh, uh, my uncle is losing. Well, I, I think I That's, think uh, that, that makes it. I think now that's like seven or eight games with just one win in all competitions. I think um, Mourinho would have been wishing for the international break to come quick and fast. So. I think this is a time that he needs to go in, regroup, and re-strategize so that they can bounce back. Because we know that, yes, he doesn't have the best of squads, but still, he should be winning some kind of games. And Mourinho has actually changed like Simeone this season. Mourinho's Roma team are not good defensively and look very exciting going forward. So it's a bit strange for Mourinho. I think he's finally changing with the times. Uh, I just think I just think it's not it's not it. I think if he has the money and able to structure his defense the way it, he wants it to be, I think he will go back to his original style because that's style I've seen in <laughs> trophies. Uh, I, I mean, look at me being optimistic for a new Mourinho, but I think you're right. After he doesn't have the tools he needs for the tight defense, exactly. And so. At the end of the day, it was also not a bad week for the Milan clubs because Napoli also dropped points against Verona of all teams. Well, I mean, Verona beat Juventus the other day, so maybe you accept it and move on, do you? <laughs> so are we saying Verona is a big club now? No, 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 we're not. But we're just saying they caused the big boys trouble. Mm, so, like, yeah, the West Ham of the Serie now. Mm, maybe not even as no West. No, no, West Ham is too big because Verona are way down the table. Let's say they are the Southampton because I know Southampton drew with Man City. Okay, well, the thing is, um, honestly, so many big teams drop points unnecessarily this weekend. We have Barcelona, Chelsea, Atleti. I- Atleti, Atleti, and uh, most of these teams that I'm mentioning, they were in winning positions and they were winning quite comfortably. But for Napoli to be, um, but for Napoli to be um, dropping, for Napoli to be dropping points against um, Verona, I think, I think um, it's not necessarily like something to be happy about because they came, they had to. Equalized. It's not like they were even in a winning position. Okay. Now, now, now you're being a hypocrite. You know that because you told me that it's not the end of the world. I think you even said it on this podcast that Chelsea drew with Burnley, so it's not the end of the world. Because but you've not, you've not allowed of... me finish. You've not allowed me finish. It's not. You didn't allow me finish. So, like I said, like I said, um, 
um, mm-hmm. the, the, um, what's it called? They had to equalize. They were not in a, a winning position. So they really need to make sure that they re-strategize and, and make sure that they get back to winning ways. But looking at it, they are still sitting on, on 32 points on, that- on top of the table, joint stop with AC Milan. So I think that's good. Do you, do you think... As a fan of a club, or better still, as a coach of a club, if your team drops points, so let's say Chelsea and Napoli this weekend as the two best examples for this. If you are a coach of these clubs, do you tell your players um, the performance was not good enough, we need to improve, we need to do this, do this, do this better? Or do you look at the table and say, oh boys, you know what, we're still topping the table, so... No, it's not the end of the world. We go again next week. How do you do it? Do you, do you hammer them for dropping points, or do you tell them it's not the end of the world? We're still topping. Looking at um some of the statements we've heard from ex players, even current players that have played uh, with with and under Guardiola, like I can tell you, a, a coach like Guardiola, even if you win by three 0 he won't still be happy with some things if you don't do your job correctly. So. <laughs> So, so what I just say is, what I just say is like, for a manager, for a manager, I think in my, for, for a manager, results are important. But I think when a manager is impressed, is when the things that you guys worked on on the training field, you guys were able to carry out his instructions and implement some of the strategies you guys worked on. Because even if, for example, now if a manager can be happy with his team when they drew 1-1 one, one or 2-2 two, two, or even new new, if they were able to do everything that the manager instructed, even were still innovative and played very well, the manager would raise their hands and say, yes, you guys did very well, but you guys were just unlucky. And oh, how many than not, if you guys you, continue like this, you guys win. How many times can you tell them you guys did well and then they drop points? When does it become worrying? After the second or third one or how many? To me, it, it, to me, it's not even after the first one or whatever. To me, when it becomes worrying where the team drops points is when they don't play to the manager's instruction and they don't um, carry out the strategies the manager has given and they look like far from their best. That's when the manager should be worried. Okay, okay. Um, judging by that, Pochettino should not be worried at all. Or should he? Because PSG were three goals up. Ended up winning the game 3-2. But I think this was... Judging from the highlights, because I didn't watch the game live. Judging from the highlights, I think this is probably as good as they've played in a, in a while. Um, is it because Neymar scored? Yeah, Neymar's, Neymar's first goal that is not from the penalty spot this season. First two goals. Well, honestly, um, like like you said, me as well. I didn't watch the game. I saw I saw the highlights. I saw some some clips. I saw some Neymar dribbles and all of that on Twitter. But the thing is, honestly, like I keep saying every week, PSG they are very very vulnerable. We keep seeing seeing the same thing week in week out. They concede a lot of goals, not just one goal, two but, goals. But to be fair, they were safe this week because the second goal didn't come until the ninety second minute. Well. But but we all know that the goal for them is to win the Champions League. And with the way they are carrying out from the results we're seeing, they are far from it. They are even far from being top four right now in the Champions League. So they need very, to make sure that they structure their team correctly. If not, 
If not, they might meet a side that will embarrass them in Champions League. Okay. So that brings us to the end of this episode. God, this must be the longest episode ever. <laughs> so because we didn't we didn't do an episode on Friday, so we decided to do two in one. So exactly, exactly. Double, to make up double. for Yeah, and a, a friend of a friend of mine who listens to the show, I gave him a shout out some weeks ago. He actually called me on Sunday morning and he was like, Yo, bro, no episode on Friday, why? And so I was really touched by that. It shows that some of you guys actually really care about the podcast and we appreciate you. So um, what more do you want to add to that, Leonard? Yeah, well, just quickly, shout out to your friend. He's the real MVP. Um, so um, like, let me even ask you, other than maybe work, because we all know that everyone has their normal day-to-day activities, we need to make the bread. So other than work, what will you be using to keep yourself busy for the international break? <clears throat> I'm thinking, obviously, music is, for me, very important. So I have my streaming app. And I think, I think basically, that's enough for me because I've been taking a break from WhatsApp. I've not been on WhatsApp since last week, almost a full week now. So I think once I have my music, I'm okay basically and the international break might be a good chance to make some money you know you bet on the big countries that should be the small countries and who knows it makes some quit no 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 the international break is always the worst to bet on because you don't know what is happening you don't know who's from. but for me what i'll just say is like oh. like what i'll just what i'll just say is like um I, what i used to keep myself busy a lot of people have mocked me on clubhouse laughed at me for not seeing squid games I think I'll watch a lot of series and whenever uh, I am home. So I'll just Okay, and my I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll watch something else. I'll watch highlights of all Barcelona games this season just to laugh. Of course, of course. You know, <laughs> it's comedy, comedy show has finished in this life that you're looking for. Comedy from Barcelona. Of course. I mean, it, was it not comedy? I said three players got booked for time wasting and they still considered the goal. That's, that's the funniest thing that has happened this season. No problem, no problem. And whichever, which, whatever, do whatever makes you happy. I've, like I've said, Barcelona leaves rent free on your head. So do whatever makes you happy. <laughs> okay, so guys, thanks for listening. Um, stay safe. God bless you.